everybody. Welcome to Nexus at Night. My roommate is playing Pokemon in the next room, and he is losing. I'm Atlas. I'm Matt. I'm Rupier. And I'm Chris. Welcome back. We brought to him the back. Show. Yeah, welcome back, Chris. Thank you. Thank you. Good to be back. Yeah. Have Have you been? Uh, if uh, not so long time listeners, he was on our Luck of the Sackish episode. <laughs> um, been pretty all right. Um, just been working on personal game projects here and there. Um, nice. Yeah, just trying to try to boost the career a little bit. Sounds like a good time. Yep. Oh, still waiting on those uh, Genesis reveals. Hopefully, get to see my boy Fenrir pretty soon. All right, he better be good. Like it, after what they like, they recovered nicely with Big Belly. Keep it going, man. The roller coaster of emotions with great nature reveals. Oh my god! You it shut your mouth. accurate mouth. <laughs> I was involved with this too because I had to do multiple some pedantic write-ups about this nightmare. Oh right! Uh, uh, this episode, like every episode, is brought to our uh, one wonderful patrons at Patreon.com/slash Nexus at Night, uh, where if you donate a dollar a month, you get weekly write-ups on every card reveal that comes out, and also other goodies. and other news that happens. Yeah, like uh, deck testing and bonus podcasts, and we'll talk more yeah. about it at the end. But uh, oh, what is deck it? testing is ten dollar is the ten dollar incentive. But this week we were also going to have. Speaking of pedantic rambling, we were going to have James on this week, but he's busy with life. So he proposed the topic of, you know, just the value of triggers and the fact that in conversations with Hal, he got really annoyed about how Hal will kind of overvalue taking triggers out of your opponent's deck. So we have a very long rambling Facebook post in our Skype chat right now, where he kind of lays out his thesis for us. So, so, on the whole, he's just talking about how the value of triggers is different per deck, which is true, and that, you know, not all decks can really benefit from triggers all that much. You know, like, just because you get more drive checks doesn't mean your deck is just automatically great. I think the easiest example is Pentagonal Magus. When that card was revealed, everyone was like, oh my god, five drive checks? That's crazy! This card is so OP! And then absolutely nothing happened with this card, because Pentagonal had to discard, like, two cards. Hang on, I'm gonna look this up. I think it yeah. was, like, you discard five and then it's decreased by one for every, like, front row that's... Yeah, filled? Get, yeah, Soul Blast. No, every, every yeah. Soul Blast three, discard five from your hand. It gets drive plus three. The number of cards you discard is reduced by a one for each rear guard with Magus in this card name in your front row. So it ends up being a minus three. But, you know, everyone was like, oh my god, this is broken. But two things with Pentagonal is one, you really have a hard time stacking five cards. I don't know how anyone can manage that. And two, you're going, like, plus two, maybe, if you mm. happen to have a full front row of Magus. And that's so... not easy. Especially if you, compare, if you compare it to, like, Susano, who's doing, mm -hmm. quote, like, sort of additional drive checks, but also getting to keep all the cards. Yeah. So, so like, compared to Susano, straight plus two, and he checks, and he does his drive check separately, so, like, you can stack your deck, use his axe skill, get your two or three cards, and then 
because you're still in your main phase, stack your deck again so that during the actual battle phase you can get more triggers. That sounds about right. Wait. Yeah. So. There's something that caught my eye during uh, the onus for this episode. You said he got mm -hmm. this idea because uh, ha our friend Hal from the, yeah. the set review for the Aeon uh, overvalued triggers. So yeah, he so gave us an entire... James made an episode topic out of spite. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That sounds yeah. about right. You know what? That I I gotta I gotta give the boy a hand because uh, that's yeah. I've done so many stupid things out of spite, but never mm -hmm. has making an idea for an episode of a podcast out of one. Yeah. One of those I've sought well. promotions out of spite. I've broken up with people <laughs> out of spite. <laughs> So yeah, his thesis is like, things like extra drive checks are fine so long as you have some way of actually taking advantage of those cards. So like, again, pentagonal, you have three attacks, and you know you can't stack your deck very well to get really guarantee five triggers. So you know all those extra drive checks ultimately come down to RNG in the end because you might be able to stack one or two crits and then three cards you're just praying to get something you want and so, you know you compare that to something like dote or pre Arada riviere where you you know you're restanding so you get to put you just get to keep stacking your triggers and you know he also makes the argument that dote is better because dote just straight up restands where riviere rerides so you're probably putting your triggers on your rear guards there in the case of riviere versus dote where you just stack them on dote yeah. Um, also, don't gain. I guess Riviera gains power, right? Mm -hmm. I think so. All one time you get to do it. Yeah, and then, <laughs> on, and then another example he used was just like Rescue Angel Feather. Besides, like No CL, you could get like seven plus trigger checks, but you know, late uh, late rescue wasn't really meta ever. It was just kind of there. Well, the the reason being is because after uh, Dr. Refros ended up causing, you know, being a loop, basically, and they had mm -hmm. to limit it to one, they were so afraid of doing rescue during the battle phase, which is what early rescue did, that they started transitioning into main phase rescue, which mm -hmm. this got you mm -hmm. trigger checks that A, didn't, it wasn't anything for hand or field advantage rescue in and of itself yeah. a b uh it made you want to switch from stands to crits as if boucher was like no you 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 get away from that washing machine or whatever the hell that yeah. thing is then, <laughs> you know finally getting to back to his spiting how you know i think he just brought up that how values the mill card still like gunning coleo over uh what's her face gradora and he's making the argument that like in the current meta you can you have cards like Suzano, which can just give you 13k and restand two rear guards for a single count. Well, 13k is free, and then restand two rear guards for a single counter blast. You know, like Dote restands a million times. Um, trying to think what. Oh, Luard. You know, just call one counter blast, just call a full board, and then you probably can leverage that into a bunch of draws. So like. In the current meta, a counter blast can be worth like three or four cards just because you're getting so much power or advantage out of it. And is paying counter blasts for all of the milling mega colony cards really worth it when that counter 
when you know one trigger is like 15k but a single counter blast can get you so much more than that yeah yeah i think um also when you mill a trigger like let's say with the uh the mm -hmm. new um the grade one like my colony card which i think is like yeah the most egregious one um yeah you're not really so let's like what are you gaining here right if yeah. you mill a trigger, you're getting no cradles because it's a grade zero. Mm -hmm. But you're milling a trigger. Now, what you're really changing is you're winning the percent the per percent odds of them checking a trigger is mm -hmm. lowered by you know some amount, right? But the downside is that a lot of the time it's going to be raised by same amount by some amount when you don't hit a trigger which you <laughs> apparently don't value because you're getting cradles uh but like if three percent like oh I, i'm gonna lower the chance my opponent hits a trigger by three percent is like not very satisfying and shouldn't mm -hmm. beat anybody like that you're gonna that you're gonna encounter a game where that matters pretty rarely mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah then. Just overall, James feels like the value of triggers right now are just awful because so many decks now you need like two, three cards to guard anyways, and they can't keep raising the power of triggers, right? Like, triggers have more or less stayed the same, and even crit sentinels that do have higher shield value, they're restricted by being sentinels, so... Mm -hmm. And you compare that to right now in G to a similar period in G-Era, we at least had G-Guardians, so we could turn one trigger into, like, two or three cards. Defensively speaking, which is not mm -hmm. something that comes up in game design a lot. Um, yeah. In Vanguard. There's not a lot of uh, cards that allow you to disrupt the opponent on their turn, um, mm -hmm. whether that be offensively or defensively. And uh, yep. the only cases of that are G guards and then they you know they created blitz orders which so far has been a 5k shield quick shield yep that yeah is it. blitz order was uh was uh basically a lie at this point and saying that oh we're gonna call it blitz orders but we're only gonna make one of them so yep. far i'm hoping that they you know m maybe they just had these sets planned in advance and then there's gonna be, they're gonna get to like the end of like that cycle and then yeah. Start doing blitz orders. Probably not because when has anything ever worked out in our favor? Yeah. But I am so out of the loop. I thought quick shields were at least 10k. They are not. They're 5k. Nope. <laughs> One thing that I could uh, that I could see them doing is coming up with like different variants of quick shields. Mm -hmm. mm. You think they would? That was that has been another recurring theme in our conversations. Is just orders have been such a wasted concept. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what orders have been played at this point? Like Tempest Fear, the end. Tempest. No. People, oh, the, and Link Choker played the uh, lock unlock a guy. Yeah. Tier three deck play uh, the book. <laughs> oh, I forgot <laughs> about true. the book. Yeah, yeah. Really bad decks will play that because they don't use counter blast or something. Yeah, like Artemis, for mm -hmm. example, I play Artemis. I don't run any other grade 3 except for Artemis and the fucking book. Oh my god. <laughs> book's not even an Artem a grade 3, it's just a, it's a book. Yeah. yeah, But you need to be grade 3 to play it, so. Yeah. It's so bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like, yeah, there's a 
because like right now, I was thinking about this the other day, where it's like you don't need triggers in most decks right now to win. So like playing Blau, for example, I could care less if I hit a trigger. <laughs> I think the point at this point, a big point of having triggers in your deck is not ch checking triggers is still very good, mm -hmm. especially crits and draws, right? Yes. Like I don't think like you need to like not have triggers in your deck, but I really it's it's not like your deck is not on average dependent on hitting triggers. So mm -hmm. Dot or Dot X is very dependent on hitting triggers. In fact, they're very dependent on hitting exactly crits, yeah, and that's why they played like 16, 16 of them. Correct, because you're, like you're, it, if you fall behind, you've already lost. You're just gonna ride the cross. You're gonna activate a skill, put Dode into Soul, and just attack your opponent with Force too. And yep. if you get crits, you win. If you don't, you lose. Like it's that simple. There's no, there's like no other. We're not. Th there's not really much other decision making, right? Mm -hmm. So that deck definitely does require, like, require crits in order to be effective, but some other decks don't. Yeah. And the problem I have with you know things like take if I like if you just random if you let's say counterblast one remove a crit from this uh, from dot, dot the cross's deck, mm, that's not very good value, right? Right. Because mm -hmm. now you're in the position where they're slightly less likely to. Um, to crit you, which mm -hmm. is very important to them, but you're also less likely to kill them because you've wasted this resource on uh, nothing, basically. Yeah, I don't and know. You factor in decks like Luar that just kind of do everything. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, here's a little excerpt from uh, James's. Uh, you know, I'll call it a rant, but it's not really a rant. It's just his thoughts because he's not here. Uh, triggers uh, kind of stopped mattering as much as uh, mid to late G era. Night Rose and Gear Chronicle honestly didn't care if they got triggers or not. They had more than enough skill effects alone to finish the opponent or survive. And a lot of a lot of these top decks can finish the opponent, re you know, regardless wh whether or not they get crits, you know, mm -hmm. Dode and Dot X notwithstanding. And especially uh, like compared to that period in G era, because we don't have any arbitrary GB restrictions, most decks are just really aggressive early now. Yeah, pretty much people start doing shit on their grade three right turn. Yep. Yep. Or even like as early as grade two, like I've been playtesting using DI as kind of my metric just because. With Luard being limited the way he did, he drops off enough that I think Sharhat is an easier measuring stick to use for the new upcoming decks. And, you know, because I have to soul charge to 13 by that time my ride my grade 3, I'm just always calling shit at grade 2. So, mm -hmm. you know, just every game by grade 2, I already have a full board attacking you. Like a meta litmus test. Mm-hmm. See, here's the other thing too, right? Like, I played Genesis, and something I've noticed is that in a lot of cases where you just kind of get unlucky and you don't get your Astral Poets in hand, mm -hmm. you wind up falling behind so hard in this current meta that it doesn't matter whether or not you get to grade three or not. So you just start using Force Two on um on uh what's what's her face um uh, Mutsuki the uh, grade two. 
and then you just start wailing on your opponent. Like you do not bother with, you know, force ones because you know you're not gonna get to grade three if you do. Uh at least I'm afraid that if you do use force one. Um and if you get to grade three, it probably doesn't matter. Um, so it's like, yeah. Like it's it's such an advanced meta right now where you have mm-hmm. to be aggressive and you have to be doing constant big hits that, you know, the traditional, like, oh, you get to grade three and then you pop off all your skills and stuff like that. It's just not cutting it anymore. And Genesis is one of the clearest examples of that kind of folly. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's like you have these decks that are pretty much required to go force one. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I think uh, Genesis is a great example of one, though. I guess you're not technically required, but your deck does a lot less without it. Yeah. Uh, and then, like, you have decks like... Um... There's another one. This Alt-Mile... This Alt- Alt-Mile is required to go Force 1, basically, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because they get base crit, too. Oh, uh, Blue Art as well, right? Yeah. But, like, if you look at, like, what Luard does versus what Genesis does is Luard is so much faster out of the gate, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, I think post... So they did do a restriction on Luard. Like, I don't think that's a secret at this point, right? Mm-hmm. But, like, people are just still playing Luard. Yeah, and I remember it being... Br- when I had mentioned that this restriction was very disappointing and that... One of the counter arguments was like, well, yeah, but now they're playing like all these trash cards with the engine and they can't filter their deck. Like, they have 50k columns with two crit. Who needs to filter their deck at that point? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I'm not sure what, like, quote, the best list is post, uh, mm-hmm. post restriction. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, I would, uh, I mean, people are still playing it even post restriction for sure. Yeah. And- Winning, of course. I mean, why so. would you not? What, like, literally, why would you not? That deck is. I mean, I think a post restriction <laughs> is definitely much closer. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But. So like, it being against like you know it being like what was like Night Rose, Charhot, um, etc. Yeah. Um. It's like it's it's closer to those now instead of mm-hmm. being like way better than they could ever be. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean. It's and it's interesting too, because I still hear that a lot of the Luar decks are still getting that um that grade one that they need to superior right and everything, mm-hmm. and it's like well, okay, well if the problem was the superior ride, then why did you restrict Nemen? <laughs> yeah, I'm not I'm not even convinced that that is the correct version, but we'll we'll find out I suppose. Mm-hmm. I'm not like I don't know if you even play the superior ride thing. But because uh, really? I don't think you make enough board, I guess. And the like, the engine ends up taking a lot of space one, without domain, right? Because that, well, it was yeah. already taking it. You already you were already playing for Blaster Dark and like a lot of Bendy. Um, because if you didn't want that, to put yourself in a situation where they could kill your domain or like cradle your domain or whatever or lock your domain, so people were all like even post pre restriction people were already playing like four blaster dark and like some out of bending. So they didn't rely on their domain to get to, to get it. And the main just guaranteed it, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So but now post that, now you don't have now you have to play four four and now you have to like kind of like you know, the piece you know, the you need to draw multiple pieces now. So 
Mm. Well, so I'm not. I, I don't know if it's as. And you're playing 5Ks, you can't search, right? Mm -hmm. Well, see, here's the other thing too. Um, I'm I'm made. I'm looking at the card right now. Uh, Leofail, or Leofall, mm -hmm. yeah. however you pronounce his name. Yeah, like, doesn't he just get you the grade one that you need? He Whatever. does, but he costs a counterblast, which you, the opponent, can deny them from getting. Nemen, that is all fair. Nemen just needs Nemen. That's it. Oh, that's also fair. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, or, in, yeah, so... Were we on triggers at this point? How did we get all the way into Nemi? Oh, oh sorry, I got us into Luard, my bad. Yeah. Luard, got it, uh, okay, sorry. But Luard is a good illustration of James's point that this deck just does so much on its own that you don't even need triggers anymore. Yeah, yeah. like all your grade ones are going to have crit too, they're going to be gigantic, because you know you have grade ones that are 20k. Or, mm -hmm. or, or in the case of Spike Brothers, it's a uh, huge mm -hmm. yeah. and crit. Yeah, like Spike Brothers, you just bounce around both force markers so you're basically just giving everything a crit trigger every time it attacks mm -hmm. yep and you know you don't really need to check triggers but checking triggers just mm -hmm. put you over like certain numbers right and it's just yeah. it's, it's obviously strictly better to hit them but you don't you don't feel like you need to hit them in order to have a game plan yeah and just i think a lot of decks that are worse feel like they must yeah i've been i've been running into that with both Thavas and Victor recently is just I tried I was playing the deck with crits over the weekend and it felt fine and then I switched to front triggers and I was like oh wow I just cannot kill my opponent mm -hmm. the extra damage really helps um, with that like yeah. I think that's part of the reason why you know if you're gonna call like if you're gonna create like extra like circles for example you know, I wouldn't give, you know, XL2 the ability to get an extra crit like I would force to. I'd give them the ability to draw because, you know, three lanes with, you know, extra criticals is already enough. But, like, four swings plus and, ha and one of them having an extra critical almost guaranteed is like, okay, well, this is broken. <laughs> um, and it's like... That's why crit triggers with Nova Grappler are just so good. And that's why um, even some decks that are running like Blau um, or even decks that are even running like God Hand or like Victor stuff, um, I heard are running are still running Zelnoin, the one that gets like the crit trigger every time you pull a front. Because that extra damage is still really good. And the ability to yeah. restand that grade two, which you still very much can do, by the way, is really, really good. Yeah. And, so yeah, yeah, and then I think James ended off his little speech with standard might be at that breaking point where triggers just don't really matter anymore because like they don't have enough shield to defend against the current meta, and decks are increasingly not really needing crit or any triggers really. Like triggers are nice, but. You know, more and more, drawing a trigger doesn't really feel that bad. It's just a card in your hand now. Yeah, I, mean... I think probably a better statement is mm -hmm. that, and maybe this, and maybe this is what he meant, maybe it's not. Is I would feel like a better way to say this would be that the delta between the top tier decks and the mid tier decks is now out of reach of trigger luck. Yep. Yeah. 
Like, so, so basically, the uh, for lack of a better term, income inequality is getting larger. Something yeah. like that. Okay. Like the decks that are good are just getting like very good support, mm-hmm. and the decks that aren't need a lot of uh, a lot of assistance in order to even have a hope, right? Yeah. yeah. Medium yeah. is getting more and more minus. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And that's why, like, for Genesis, I'm really scared because Genesis has so much catching up to do. Because they, it, like, them and Merc, who are in Nubatama, like, there are a few clans that they can never really pick something and stick with it, so you have a lot of this, like, being pulled in so many directions. Um, yeah. That's neither here nor there, though. There are yeah. two things I wanted to bring up. Uh, that, okay. okay, so the first thing is that I noticed that uh, with the reboot and the advent of front triggers versus stand triggers, there are you can now kind of say that... Uh, Two of the trigger types can be thought of as defensive, draw and heal, and two of them can be thought of as offensive with crits and fronts. Um, In both of those cases, like with draw and heal, you either get an extra card to help defend yourself with, or it's a heal trigger, duh. And in crits and fronts, it's either more damage or your stuff can hit the vanguard better. Um, At the same time, them having a bigger shield is not really something that uh, mattered over time because the the power increases are so big that just 15k shield is like it's not really a one card guard anymore. Stuff's, no. Yeah. Like battle door skills kind of stopped mattering as time has gone on. Yeah. Or yeah, because things have gotten too big. It's like, well, what's the point? It's already too big. Mm-hmm. Because, like, the goal with a battle door still is to skirt as close to, like, the vanguard as possible so that dropping two cards hurts. Mm-hmm. And yet, yeah. we've gotten to a point where it's just not, it, it's not really feasible anymore. Um, or, in the case of, uh, like, defense, your, your defensive options are what? Shield, triggers, and that's kind of it. Mm-hmm. Yep. So then what? <laughs> I mean, um, this so brings us to another topic that James wanted to propose before, which is the fact that Bushiroad has completely neglected orders. And we brought it up in the beginning, but like, orders probably would have been the solution to this problem is adding a new archetype of cards that could probably. That they could do interesting guard op- that they could use for interesting guard options, but like they made quick shields, which are awful, and I think most people just discard. Like on the off chance you can actually use the five k, you you use it, and most of the time people probably just discard it for card effects. Perfect guard fodder every single time. Mm-hmm. Yep. Or like discard a card, draw a card fodder. Hey, yeah. sometimes guard something. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, like, regular orders kind of take up space in the deck, and that kind of brings up, like, weird deck-building issues, especially now that they've gone back to card design that's kind of forcing multiple grade threes. So, like, Shiranui and Obero, or Thavos and Lambros. Who's not even even a grade three. (laughs) Double Luards. Why didn't they... Why why are they... Are they against making clan-specific orders? Okay, so... Or Nation, even? I feel like that has some merit to it. Well, here's the thing. You could make an entire clan 
whose gimmick is getting a, a blitz order, right? Yeah. Yeah. You don't even need to make a new clan. You can just slap it on something. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Oh, I oh I thought you meant like make it from scratch or something. Whatever, make a mechanic. Yeah. Who cares? Mechanic, yeah. got it. Yeah. <laughs> you can just hand that to a clan. And be like, here, you make blitz orders now. And they're just like, nah. Yeah. Yeah. Like, That's okay. The, the first thing that everyone thinks of when they think, oh, blitz orders, because the only way to interact with the opponent so far uh, on their turn is with guarding, which means most of these blitz orders are probably going to have to be during the battle phase. Which uh -huh. is not a bad thing, but you can do stuff like. Easiest one I can think of. All right, Kagura one, Blitz Order. Uh, when you guard with it, Counter Blast, Soul Blast, retire an opponent's rear guard. Like it's not hard. Or you can we can make it retire back rear guard. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like they could just take the space they originally occupied with G Guardians in G Era and print Blitz Orders to fulfill the same role, yeah. and they just don't. And like Actually okay, refuse. that's why I was so disappointed with Premium Collection 2020 is because. Like the the defensive merit of decks was starting to lag behind over time, and they could have you know given it a nice like hot beef injection, but they didn't. They're just like, ah, gray nature gets a dude that is useless. Okay, moving on. I remember what the gray nature one does. I remember flipping up. I remember memeing about flipping up a whole bunch of G of uh cards in G zone. It's basically <laughs> like you make things big and then they die immediately after and go to bottom of deck. It's not good at all. Um, but yeah. <laughs> also, like, they can also use the space with Blitz Orders offensively, which also, which also sounds like a terrible idea, but that's something they could do. It like, they could attack the hmm? Maybe they could make it so that, like, you discard any triggers instead of just heal triggers, like with G-Guardians, to be able to activate a Blitz Order. That's something. Yeah, they could use... <laughs> they could make another extra deck. I mean, Please. in the case of, like, gifts are in the same pile as G-Units, it really doesn't matter. Just make it tall. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah, just make... Just give players space for, like, four Blitz Orders or something like that. Right? Let's let them occupy the same space as a G-Guard and... Yeah. You know, be creative with it. Maybe you can... Maybe you can attach different costs, like... Some of them you just need to like counter blast or soul blast to activate. Maybe you discard triggers from your hand. Maybe you discard a copy of your vanguard to do something ridiculous. I don't know. Something. There's yeah. a million things you can do. Do you think they could do blitz orders that uh, don't necessarily have to do with battle, like uh, some other interaction? Well, unfortunately, the only interaction you have on opponent's turn is during the battle phase. Yes. If they yeah. if they were to, they would have to make a specific trigger for it. Yes, yeah. or they would have to break a precedent that gets them into Yu-Gi-Oh! hand trap territory, which... Uh, yeah, whatever. That, well, I mean, yeah. that's a can of worms that you might not want to open. Sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I want to open all the cans of worms. I yeah. Mean, same, but, like... <laughs> I mean, they already have things like Dark Face that can rest cards on your opponent's turn. They can make a, oh, make a Colony Blitz order that's like, discard a trigger, cradle one of your opponents... When your opponent calls a card, cradle it. <laughs> So I know he's laughing. At, that's not that bad. That's that's no, a defensive thing that you no, can do. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm saying that's dumb as hell. Like that'd be great. Oh oh oh, the fun kind of dumb. I thought you were like, meant like. No, that's oh man. That's funny. Well, I thought, I, that's I, too funny though. I thought he was laughing like at it. 
No, oh. that would be great. I'd be a huge proponent of that, honestly. I, I've been, I've been, uh, you know, lobbying for uh, Mega Colony that like rests the opponent's stuff when it comes in. I really thought that Dark Face GB2 ability had a lot of potential to it, and they just never really did anything with it. I mean, but, it did because it yeah, won. Yeah, I get Ezzel. it. It won against as Got it. I'm just saying, like, they never really ran with it. They just I know. made more cards with see, it. Yeah. Bushiro does that, though, where it's like they come up with this cool mechanic. And, you know, you're hyped for it. It is so cool. And then they never bring it up again, even though they have two to three sets after they introduce the mechanic and then they don't do anything with it. Genesis. <laughs> Divine cages. Oh, like... buddy. <laughs> every time I think about that, I just remember, every time I think about, like, card design and how, you know, there's a cool mechanic that they could be going with right now. I think of Divine Gage, and I'm like, damn. <laughs> I like that how this is from Trigger to just, we hate Bushiro's design philosophy. Well, well, yeah. Isn't that, that's like the, the undertone for this entire podcast. Yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> I mean, that's the thing, too, though. Like, Triggers have everything to do with that decision. Yep. And because, like, the thing about it is, like, if they were to have sand triggers in this game, for example, like, at this part of the game, for example, there is no way they would give the, um, give Genesis that powerful a skill. Because yeah. just being able to just restand your rear guards just for drive checking, are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> or, like, dumb. imagine Susano with his skill being, where you can stack the deck to make sure you have stand triggers during your battle phase, and in the main phase, just fish for triggers with things like Tetramagus. So you definitely have extra criticals, and then in the battle phase, you might be able to restand something. Yep. But see, that's the th that's the thing now. You know, yeah. The the card design of all these cards has every like is has everything to do with triggers, and yep. it's like, you know, for example, like the whole Tachikaze thing um, with the ancient dragons. <laughs> Where like the front triggers just give you criticals. It's like it, you. It's like essentially pulling, you know, a front trigger and a crit trigger at the exact same time. Except you're running like twelve, like twelve, uh, either twelve front triggers or like, um, like eight fours or like six six or something like that. It's like you 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 have almost no risk um, with on which one you pull. It's like either I pull a front and everybody gets a crit, or I pull a crit. And I hit really hard on this one unit or something. Wait, so that example with, uh, like, Ancient Dragons, or even today, there was the revealed um, thing that's supposed to be, like, God Hand support. Spicy. Uh, he says as he waits for the page to load. Um, it says, <laughs> uh, continuous van or rear when a trigger check reveals a front trigger the effect of the power increase gets plus 5k, so you get, uh... Just, you know, 15K. the same skill that all of the other ones had. Okay, I, I know we're referencing our worst episode of all time, but, <laughs> uh... <laughs> the fact that they had to do stuff like this, or, uh, with God Hand, where it's gotta stand everything, or Ancient Dragons, where it turns them into crits, should probably be good evidence that, uh, front triggers kinda don't matter. And yeah. by extension, oh. triggers, because front triggers are triggers for everybody. Yeah, because that's the thing. Like, a lot of lists, before God Hand 
and Ancient Dragon, they were just not running front. Because why would you? It's just extra yeah. power. That they were... <laughs> Harry Harry did actually make the decision to play fronts, and which I believe is maybe correct. I, um, well, that's because your 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 uh, your boss monster gets a crit on his own, so you're just like yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. But he needs to be like what 40k to get a crit. Yeah, <laughs> which uh, by the time that's live, it you're usually about 5k short. As mm -hmm. I found in my testing, so it can be anything really. Um, but uh, it, it's always nice because you're 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 like inherent front row. Yeah, uh, is is kind of lackluster, so I think that's why you do fronts instead. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> I guess while we're on the topic, we should also bring up the fact that Bushiroad is finally hiring playtesters again. Oh yeah. Um, and uh, which uh, I I don't know if anybody has seen the yellow card Vanguard video that he put up. Um, in response. I, I, I put it in our group chat, but uh, it, uh, it it causes a bit of a ripple in the community. Because <laughs> um, he, he, he was angry like, and righteous solutions. It is plainly obvious that Bushiroad's card designers just don't know what they're doing. Like, they do not play the game the way that we do. And Correct. they just clearly do not think about things the way players do, because, as I said in regards to the Luard restriction, they just kind of expect clans to stay in their own lane so like they print support for a specific archetype and they just kind of expect that people will use that archetype as it intended but a lot of the time they are these cheeky interactions that they don't spot because they don't think outside of decks being in within their own archetypes so you have things like the luard engine or going back further ripples or like sankard blaster or Sankard with or Sankard Jewel Knights before the Sword Me restriction. Oh, and there's just all these, or uh, Novell and Dote. That was another one, I think. There was uh... all of these. Huh? All of these what? Yeah, just all of these decks that are like, someone had to have noticed the interaction, and the only way you couldn't know that this interaction exists is if you just refused. To, to mix archetypes together, which evidently Bushiro does. Mm -hmm. Well, apparently, uh, according to that video, I'm not really sure how true this is, but mm -hmm. Bushiro, like, after they leaked something, something Chaos Breaker related had been leaked yeah, by I a think... card tester or something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and which, the... which caused them to just... just do their testing in-house, which is where you get this kind of bubble. Yep. Right. Um, and... I remember that. Yeah, so th there's a, there's a famous German general uh, who has said who said plans never survive contact with the enemy, um, and that can pretty much be said about any trading card game player base. The player base is the enemy, and you, the card designer, are the opposite side of a war. I mean, this happens with just any kind of game, really. Yeah. This happens in online games all the time, where the devs will release. Like, the devs will just release something that is really dumb, and there's no way they couldn't have have spotted that this was really dumb unless they just didn't playtest it, or only playtested it in a very specific bubble. Um, it's something that... Like, the goal of video game testers is to find glitches, and that should be the goal yeah. of TCG testers. Yep. Yeah. Although, I'm like, video honestly. game testers are horribly underpaid and 
devs rarely actually listen to their advice if they even come in contact with their playtesters at all. Okay, that is another conversation that we can yeah. have at another right. time, because I have thoughts about that myself. You want to come on Tangents on Sunday and we can talk about how the video game industry is bullshit? I'm so fucking down. Yeah, why not? I, I like, check out Nexus Tangents every week, donate $5 or more. Bonus podcast. Okay, continue. Uh, <laughs> but like the thing about it is right like i every time i think about um like lack of playtesting mm-hmm. i think of and this is just me being a genesis head angelic wise man oh no <laughs> <laughs> not again this card nobody thought about for years just somehow magically resurfaces upon the release of a stand trigger. A common stand trigger. Yeah, mark. one that makes it good, yeah. yeah. It was, it was like, bad until it was good, yeah. That's generally mm-hmm. how things work. And, it's, and I'm just sitting here like, this would have been solved with actual playtesting. Mm. I, think yeah. I actually play don't think that's true, and here's the reason. A it. lot of the, it's possible that some of the people who do like the in-house testing are, haven't been there since Wiseman was printed, and yep. probably and could not have a good base of old cards, especially when you like have so many sets to test. Mm-hmm. It's very possible they just didn't see it. Yeah, yeah. that because... one. I, that one I give them a bit of a pass for because it's so many years in between one card and the other. Mm-hmm. Where most okay. of these, they're like breaking stuff from like what six months ago. Come on, man, you're better than okay. that. Yeah, yeah, I'll, 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 I'll give you that. Yeah, um, yeah, like some stuff is like, come on, and then yeah. this is like mostly fine. And then like, there was whatever happened with George being an infinite loop for a hot second. Oh, that was pretty sick. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, that one was just like, oh, it was always supposed to be once per turn. That. That makes sense. You believe that, right? Palios <laughs> Revive plus George. Dear I don't know God. why. Even if I didn't think of any card that went with that, I feel like I would want to make it once per turn regardless. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, it, like, I, like, let's say I were designing it and I've never even heard of Strides, right? Like, not mm-hmm. even thinking about Strides at all. Don't even know they exist. And I'm like, there's nothing that bothers, that messes with this right now in, in like, VR, right? Mm-hmm. But I want to put once per turn on it anyway. Yep. As a safety. Well, especially because, like, if someone was to explain Aqua Force to people, they're like, they're they're a navy that likes to attack a lot, and they have a lot of stuff that al- that allows you to attack from back row. That's been part of their history for a long time. Yeah, but also or, like, like part of their history is just swapping cards. Oh, that's and you it. have a card that can just restand something in the back row for free. Yeah, that's that's a free swap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, did nobody think that you weren't just going to play two of them and just keep swapping them infinitely? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just I'm just glad that I got about five minutes of Seinfeld memes out <laughs> of the thing before I ran it straight into the ground and totally worth it. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I just... The fact that they're, they're breaking stuff that interacts with their cards from, you know... Like, the last time that clan got support, compared to mm-hmm. something like Wiseman, which is years. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt for that, even though I really, really don't want to. I don't know. Like, I just think a lot of, um, I, I just think a lot of decisions that Bushiroad is making is, like, 
they, they can be solved with testers, like, no doubt. But I also mm-hmm. think that, like, a part of it is, like, greed. <laughs> yeah. What, they want to, like, like, save money on not paying testers? Not even that. Like, for example, this whole, like, Shadow Paladin situation oh. really, like, this whole Shadow Paladin situation was, like, an, like a way to introduce Luart, but also to, like, get the PBD players back into, like, buying more boxes. Because PBD was like, like the whole PBD set was probably one of their best selling sets, and like they mm-hmm. want that back, and so they brought in PBO, and in order to like make PBO good, they brought in that you know grade one. So if they ban the grade one, then there's no reason for you to really play, you know. Mm-hmm. Or, or that. Yeah, like there's no really. And of course, there's, really there's no all the things they do with like alternate rarities and crap. Yeah. So it's like they they basically let their desire to sell sets outpace their reasonable um, card build like card game building decisions. Yeah. Um, and I feel that this is one time that it almost really did bite them in the ass. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Like, they almost did not get away with it this time. Yeah, and that was one of the points Yellow Card Vanguard made, was that we really should not be settling for the, like, choice restriction of Luard in the main, because it doesn't really do what it was intended to do. Not, not at all. really. Not at all. Also, I think one major problem with Bushiro's card design is just, uh... Releasing sets every month? Like, yeah, right. How can it's you so possibly fat. have time to gather the data that you need to like see how the meta shifts, figure out like how fast power is scaled? And that's why power is also scaling so fast, is because they release a set, it's completely busted, and because they only have one month to react to it, they're like, oh shit, and they have to keep scaling up and up and up, and... You know, this kind of power creep would have been inevitable, but we could have delayed it by who knows how long, just by going like two, three months between sets instead. I thought that was. Settle. I thought that was due to the pandemic, because um, it yeah. started like Silver Dust Blaze kind of kicked that off, but Infinite Deity Cradle released in October 2019 in Japan and November in English, and then Silver Dust came out in June 2020. <laughs> So that's yeah, but... I, I mean, it's eight months. COVID delays. For yeah, sure. they're really just trying to catch up right now. Yeah, I thought they they yeah. did that, and then it just kind of like an accordion, like all all crammed everything together. Um, but I'm... the problem is still they did not have enough time to see mm-hmm. the effect that Messiah, the absolute beast that it is, would have on the meta. <laughs> yeah. Dear God, but... that deck is busted i think that was a problem but really that was even before like things with covid that was kind of a problem in the past where they're like they just kept shoving sets out at a ridiculous pace oh wait i i've forgotten about extra boosters yeah. so yeah right yeah. there have been extra boosters every month in between those two main sets so there is there's <laughs> Jan- january being... to yeah january to february to April, so they waited two months for that one. Yeah, yeah. and 
that's the thing is like anytime there is a delay it's usually just production issues right mm -hmm. like something came up to make them delay a set but they're always releasing new cards every month and so this is like calm down bushiroad like at least two months probably three even just to see how the meta develops Part of it is also they're getting they get a lot of their you know data mm -hmm. from tournaments or almost all their data from t uh, tournaments and with everyone stuck inside for uh, depending which country you're in you know m months to a year no one's really going to locals you don't have a lot of people talking about it most of this stuff is from CFA and mm -hmm. uh, tabletop simulator which yeah that's super accurate mm -hmm. and, and like uh, some WGP qualifiers in Japan basically at this point yeah because yeah, mm -hmm. Japan did the work wear your fucking mask like um, Bushiroad needs to slow the fuck down with their set releases Jesus Christ yeah but yeah a lot of people think it's too much yeah like, like I don't know. I, I feel like I would be okay with waiting for certain sets as long as they're able to get, like, accurate tournament data first. Mm -hmm. Because, like, if they were to release, like, my favorite deck, for example, like, you know, in the midst of, you know, an ex a heavy Excel meta and don't give my deck the ability to draw and defend itself against said Excel meta, then what was the point of giving me the deck if I'm just not going to play it? Because I can't play it. <laughs> I wish they would just take the time and just, you know, balance the decks according to the data that they get and wait, like, two months for it. Yeah. Well, I mean, the expectation is that the new support will change it, right? So it might not. So you don't want to ban cards that aren't going to actually continue to be a problem? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, but that's the thing is, like, they could also, like, slow down the pace of power creep just by taking a little more time to make cards mm -hmm. are you saying they so could they slow down like... by slowing down what <laughs> no way slowing down will slow down the meta who would have guessed I, I don't buy it <laughs> but that's the thing is like right now their reaction to metas is to like overtune the next wave of support and oftentimes undertune the next wave of support for that particular clan that was busted and they just need to stop doing that just take a bit more time, like, analyze, like, how people are playing the decks, like, what allows this deck to be as strong as it is, and maybe retune things to, like, match it, the new support to, like, match it in similar ways so that you can have a more diverse and competitive meta without necessarily having to shift everything up all the time. Mm -hmm. And yeah, maybe, maybe make a couple of choice bans two or three months after the fact. If you think that this is too strong and we don't want to t shift the meta up this quickly. Yeah. Like, these emergency ban lists have been terrible, which is probably a topic for another time that I'm sure James will love to complain about. Yep. And, uh, and critters don't matter. Blitz orders were a wasted opportunity, or maybe they're planning something. I'm not sure. I hope they are. Yushi Road, bad. X. Big doubt. Look, I'm, I'm not gonna... The, the, people tend to look at uh, Bushiroad's decisions like they're made out of malice, but they're not. Yeah, they're, I know. They're trying to no, make a good they're game. They're made out of... Mm. Don't attribute malice to incompetence. Human error. True. I mean, here's the thing, right? Like, 
human error is like one thing for like a few like a couple of sets. This is a lot of human error. <laughs> this is this is this is borderline like they're making the exact same mistake they made at the end of G era. Yeah, like this is you get fired for this kinds of mistakes in like, you know, dev world where it's like, okay, you need to stop making these dumb balance mistakes or else we're going to stop playing your game. And then they keep making the same balance mistakes. Like Root Beer's right. Like this is literally just the end of G era. <laughs> this just straight up the end of G era cuz now everything gets multi-attack. First first grade three, right? Like, you probably lose. Um, you mean win? Triggers hardly matter. Um, yeah. And, like, somehow and somewhere, like, even though lock hardly exists in this game, in standard, it is still very much a thing that is helping Link Joker. Like, it's not even an interactive mechanic anymore, and yet it's still helping Link Choker. It's like, it's just the end of Gear era again. Yep. Um, I, I guess, cool. anything else you guys want to add before? Uh, I got nothing. Nothing. Wrap it up. Yeah, I think I said everything I needed to. What I will say is, uh, to the listener, what do you think, uh, could be done about this. I'm sure everyone's seen the yellow card video by now. Uh, do you think triggers have become useless? Do you think blitz order were uh, blitz orders were a waste? Does Atlas know how to talk? Uh, <laughs> you can tweet at us uh, at Nexus at night, or uh, find us on Instagram in the same place. Or if you want to help produce this show, uh, you can. Uh, you can help donate at patreon.com slash nexus at night, like uh, our $10 patrons Cole Green and Darren G, who are helping us produce this show every week. Uh, for the price of a cup of coffee a month or something, you get a bonus show every Monday, Nexus Tangents, and you get uh, weekly write-ups and uh, testing data and a whole bunch of other stuff that we haven't thought of yet because we're super honest. Guys, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Wiggums, 2 gs 2 zs you can find me at Plasma Eclipse. Chris? And you can find me at Silver Chariot um, 7 on Twitter. Uh, is that the number 7 or is that like Roman numerals? Roman numerals. Roman numerals. <laughs> Silver Chariot VII. Uh, and then you can find me at Atlas Novak, uh, Twitter, Instagram, uh, or you can find my other show at Bad Reading Pod in the same places. Uh, this week we're uh, doing the movie Step Brothers. So. That'll be a fun right. one. Yeah. Boats and hose. All right. Until next time, I was Atlas. I'm Matt. I'm Root Beer. And I'm Chris. And have a good night, everybody. <laughs>